The title for this morning's talk is To Forget the Self. The invitation to forget the self was made explicitly by the 13th century Japanese Zen master Dogen in a poem that goes like this. To study the Buddha way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to become enlightened by all things. And of course you may remember these verses from last night, if you were here last night. Um, because I also quoted them at the beginning of yesterday's talk. Yesterday's talk, last night's talk, was entitled To Study the Self. In other words, was focused on the first verse, to study the Buddha ways, to study the self. Today's talk is focused on the second and third verse, and therefore we'll explore the relinquishing, the letting go of the self. But let's, first let me recap the essence of yesterday's talk, because it's a continuity of this talks, um, to remind people who were yesterday, and of course to um, bring to notice to those who were not yesterday. The title then, entitled To Study the Self, emphasize that what we take to be the selves, to we take to be ourselves, is in fact in reality a fiction, a phantom that we construct and we erect so that it will represent who we think we are. And yesterday I went over some of the most prominent gimmicks that we use to construct this phantom self. And the main thrust of yesterday's talk was to blow the cover of that process. Then, just briefly, I took a peek of what remains after the phantom self is gone. A task that I will resume today. First of all, let me just clarify a little bit this studying themselves, the self, because there's something that could be problematic about studying themselves, the self. Because most of us, of course, have quite an investment in this self. Therefore, when we study, we tend to do that primarily to validate it, to confirm it. And of course, that's what anybody who studies anything generally does, you know. I used to be a scientist, I know that very well. Scientists, psychologists, philosophers. 
when they engage in the study of something, it's very unlikely that they will engage in a study that will demonstrate that what they are studying doesn't exist. That you can forget it, you know. Uh, a decade ago, I went to a conference organized in New York City by the New York Academy of Sciences entitled The Self. This is, I went to the conference, this is the volume that came out of. Uh, significant, says the self from soul to brain. contains about nearly two dozen papers and a lot of discussion of those papers. None of those papers, none of those discussions came even close to questioning the reality of the self. It was a given. I sat through these I can't remember, several days long conference. And, and I was ready to question. But I didn't f even find the space, the room, the opportunity to voice my skepticism. And of course, the problem is that when particularly members of the New York Academy of Science of which I used to be a member, too. <laughs> I stopped paying my fees, that's why I'm not a member. <laughs> they overwhelmingly mean something quite different from what Dogen meant. And in fact, as I read a little bit more of the literature, the word that Dogen used that is translated as to study really implies much more than study. Implies in Japanese to become familiar with, to become intimate with. So verbally, even verbally and certainly intentionally, Dogen invites us not to study intellectually the self from the outside, but from the inside of ourselves. It is only this type of study that can really be transformational. That, that really could create a situation where there's a space for us to discover what's left after the self is gone. The self is gone? Yeah, it can happen even under ordinary circumstances. This is a situation that I thought could occur. In a theater, there's an actor playing a role and suddenly, there's a power outage. 
lights go up. The stage is black. The character that the actor was impersonating slips away. Nowhere to be found. And, and certainly not in the actor mind itself after a while. And it'll take a time before the actor himself, herself, remembers who he or she is. So, here's an impasse. The impersonator character disappears and the habitual character hasn't come up yet. Of course, there's a rather artificial situation, but in many situations in life too, where there are gaps, where we forget to think of ourselves as a finished product. The, the problem is, in the case of the actor and other cases, that when the self, when this inter, in such an interlude, also the awareness is gone. We're not used to be aware in interludes that don't fit in the scheme of things. And the awareness, of course, is the witness. So the self is gone, but there is no witness to it. And here is where meditation comes in. Meditation trains you in the practice of being fully aware of all that comes your way and also of all that goes away. I mean, of a space left but that which is gone away. And, and we learn to be aware without interruption. We learn, for instance, to be aware of the breath and even of the spaces between breath. Of the sounds and of the silence underlying it. And so we realize that everything that comes away is impermanent, arises, stays, and passes away. Some things do that very quickly, others very slowly. And that includes the self. It can fade away. And also, in the midst of practice, we become aware of our tendency, our push, to fabricate a self, to cover up the anxiety of not having a solid thing to cling to. And this, is, if we are in practice, it's an, uh, this awareness is not an intellectual thought, it's not ultimately anchored in concepts, but it's a sense that percolates our being. In the scriptures, the Buddha talks about the way leading to the cessation of self-identification. That's a quote. 
the way leading to the cessation of self-identification. And then he says, to paraphrase him now, that we discover that each of our sensations is not mine, not me, not myself. And he reviews that going through the five senses and the, the sixth sense in the Buddhist tradition, which is the mind. We come to see that the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, and the mind, and all the stuff that comes our way, which can only come through those six doors, by the way, is, and now I quote again, this is not mine, this I'm not, this is not myself. It couldn't be clear. We come to realize that nothing is myself. This teacher teaching that nothing is myself was very effectively highlighted by a teacher belonging, a Hindu teacher belonging to the Advaita Vedanta tradition and also to the Buddhist tradition. His uh, full name was uh, uh, Sri Nisargadatta Maharaj and he's more, more commonly known as Nisargadatta. He used to teach at his uh, rundown home in Bombay. I, I never met him. He, he died in 81, which was the time when I first went to India. But I heard uh, from many people about him. Among them, Christopher, my teacher, who often went to his uh, home in the suburbs of uh, Bombay. And there he hosted an assorted audience of uh, visitors, followers, many from around the world, and who were eager and, or willing to engage in spiritual dialogue with him. So the dialogue was recorded, taped, and eventually transcribed in the form of a book called I Am That. I first run into I Am that when I first went to India in the early 80s and it had a tremendous impact on me even though at the time I was so much embedded in the intellectual world that I read it all in my thinking mind <coughs> but still it was quite fascinating what he said even for the thinking well it broke some patterns you know um, today, after much meditation practice, I can appreciate his teachings in the immediacy of my own experience. 
teachings are simplicity itself. Namely, he just offers one instruction, one very brief instruction, which is the same that Nisargadatta received from his guru. And I quote, is attend to the sense of I am and give attention to nothing else. Sounds trivial, right? And yet, as we start practicing I am, this iteration, this sort of mantra, implicitly, we find ourselves, we discover that this mantra leads us inevitably, I would say at the beginning, to a definition, a description of who, we are, who I am. Namely, I am this, or I am that. We can, we can see that we slip into that uh, slippery path. We come to see into our conditioning. We, we see into our conditioning. The only way we can deal with conditioning is to see into it. We come to see into our condition which uses I am as a springboard to propel us to our choice, chosen identity, to our persona, chosen persona. But when we do that in the midst of practice, then we can see through its delusional character. And we cannot fool ourselves any longer. And we become ready to go beyond I am this or I am that. One way of expressing that is I am, or even better, am. Am. That's it. Am. After all, we are human beings. Am, be, same thing. Am. But of course, it's not so simple. Uh, let me share with you snippets of uh, Nisargadatta's conversation on this subject. From, again, the book called I Am That. Questioner. Oh, actually, it's a person who states something. You know, we call it questioner. I am what I know myself to be. Nisargadatta. You cannot possibly say that you are what you think yourself to be. Your ideas about yourself change from day to day and from moment to moment. Your self-image is the most changeable, change, changeful thing you have. It is utterly vulnerable. At the mercy mercy of a passerby, a bereavement, a loss of a job, an insult. And your image of yourself, which you call your person, changes deeply. 
To know what you are, you must first investigate what you are not. And to know what you're not, you must watch yourself carefully, rejecting all that does not necessarily go with the basic fact of I am. The ideas, I am born at a given place, at a given time, from my parents, and I am so-and-so, living at, married to, father of, employed by, and so on, and not inherit in the sense of I am. Our usual attitude is of I am this. Separately and consistently and perseveringly, sorry, separate consistently and perseveringly the I am from this or that and try to feel what it means to be, just to be without being this or that. All our habits go against this and the task of fighting then our habits is long and hard sometimes. But clear understanding helps a lot. The clearer your understand, you understand that on the level of the mind you can be described in negative terms only. The quicker that is, I am not this, I am not that. The quicker you will come to the end of the search and realize your limitless being. Another snippet here. Nisargadara. I am like a cinema screen, clear and empty. The pictures pass over it and disappear, leaving it as clear and empty as before. In no way is the screen affected by the pictures, nor are the pictures affected by the screen. The screen intercepts and reflects the pictures, does not shape them. Questioner. When you say clear and empty, what do you mean? Nisargadara. I mean free of all contents. To myself, I'm neither perceivable nor conceivable. There is nothing I can point out and say, this I am. You identify yourself with everything so easily. I find it impossible. The feeling, I am not this or that, nor anything mine, is so strong in me that as soon as a thing or a thought appears, there comes a sense of this, I'm not. Question. Do you mean to say that you spend your time repeating this, I'm not, this, I'm not, this, I'm not? Nisargadara. 
Of course not. I'm merely verbalizing for your sake. By the grace of my guru, I have realized once and for good that I'm neither object nor subject, and I do not need to remind myself all the time. One last uh, snippet here. Nisargadatta. Ultimately, even the I am will have to go. For you need not keep asserting what is obvious. Bringing the mind to the feeling I am merely helps in turning the mind away from everything else. Questioner, where, where does it all lead me? Nisargadatta. When the mind is kept away from its preoccupation, it becomes quiet. If you do not disturb this quiet and stay in it, you find that it's permeated with a light and a love that you have never known. And yet, you recognize it at once as your own nature. Once you've passed through this experience, you will never will the same person again. The unruly mind breaks its peace and obliterates division. And then the day comes when all bonds are broken, delusions and attachments end, and life becomes supremely concentrated in the present. Question. How will, shall I recognize this state when I reach it? Nisargadatta. There will be no fear. Questioner. Surrounded by a world full of mysteries and danger, how can you remain unafraid? Nisargadatta. Your own little body, too, is full of mysteries and dangers. Yet you're not afraid of it. You take it as your own. What you do not know is that the entire universe is your body. And you need not be afraid of it. You may say you have two bodies, the personal and universal. The personal comes and goes. The universal is always with you. The entire creation is your universal body. You're so blinded by what is personal that you do not see the universal. The blindness will not end by itself. It must be undone skillfully and deliberately. And that, I fully agree, is 
a tall order. And let me encapsulate this a little. As we follow the teachings of the Buddha and, and the more specific instructions of Nisargadatta, we find out that me can only be defined in negative terms. As the Buddha was saying, this I'm not, etc. I'm not this, I'm not that. At least in terms of the intellectual mind, of the thinking mind. But then, if and when we come to inhabit, or to the extent that we come to inhabit, I should say, the deep silence of our existence, as, as we do in, in, in any moment of practice, although maybe we are aware of that, maybe not, we, we get a taste of what I like to call the full the fullness of emptiness. Fullness of emptiness. So I know it's an oxymoron for the rational mind, but it's an unmistakable experience when you feel it in the depth of your experience. You see, habitually our mind is fully committed, fully dedicated to polishing the self, improving the self, and in the process separates itself from the rest of existence. But when we are able to forget the self, then, and only then, can we connect with the inseparable vastness of emptiness that dwells both inside and outside our being. A vastness that can be designated by a variety of names, including, of course, the names of the divine. As very often in places like this, absolutely. It can be designated by a variety of names, or can be left a name. What matters is not the language we use to designate it, but that we come to experience it, to live it, to be impregnated by this experience of emptiness. Language cannot be a valid substitute for experience. We also come to notice very clearly that when nothing is me, then by the same token, everything is me. As Nisargadatta said in a passage I quoted earlier, you are so blinded by what is personal, you do not see the universal. Implying, of course, that when the blindfold of the personal is removed, we gain 
access to the universal. Everything becomes me. Or another way of putting it, as Dogen said in the third line of our quote at the beginning of the talk, to forget the self is to become enlightened by all things. Another way of putting it. When we open up to the, what the universe is saying, when we realize that nothing is me, then every plant, from a little blade of grass to a huge tree over there, or wherever, over there, Every animal, from a tiny insect to an elephant, every person, even those who cause us pain, and perhaps particularly those who cause us pain, every object that we run into, each one of us speaks to us, teaches us, enriches the life that flows through us. And we are unconditionally grateful to be part of that flow. And of course, we open up not just to all that is outside us, but also to all that is inside us. Same thing. No difference, really. So much so, in fact, it becomes very hard to know the inner from the outer. And that is indeed the end of the separate self. Let's just sit in silence for a few moments. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.